Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Joe Armstrong. Just like everybody else, every once in a while, the Moose Room has technology problems, and this week we had plenty. Dr. Bradley J. Hines could not get on the internet to make everything go, and he ended up having to call into this episode. So I apologize for some of the audio, audio quality issues in this episode, but we really appreciate you being here, and we hope you enjoy this one. Welcome to the Moose Room, everybody. OG3 here. Very special day. We haven't had just just us time, I guess, is what I'm trying to say for a oh, while. Oh, us time. <laughs> no no guests today. And it feels good, to be honest. It's nice to just uh, get back to the basics. Reunited Here. and it feels so, so good. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Emily's sick. Make the dog bark. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad. That's good. That's good. My dog wasn't close enough to hear me or else he would have barked too. Uh, today, we're getting uh, also covering a fairly basic topic. We're talking about just the basics of cattle vaccines. It's something that uh, we have an article for on the website if you're interested, but we need to cover it uh, as a podcast as well, just because it's something that's that comes up all the time. Uh, and we, we need to get into this topic just a little bit now and we can come back to it if we need to later. Bradley, I know we've talked about this before in the past. Vaccines, especially when you're talking about organic operations, just massively important. Um, how do you feel about them? I think they're very important. Uh, you know, from from my standpoint, uh, when we're working with especially organic herds and looking at, you know, I think about respiratory diseases a lot because respiratory problems are even in, in conventional world or the death of an animal, you know, not death, but it's, you know, it, it can cause lots of unforeseen problems for a long time, especially into milking cows. I think about them from a respiratory standpoint and really try to use a lot of vaccines so we can sort of curb any respiratory problems that we have. And I think they do work. I think they work. Um, we can argue about the differences for scours vaccines or uh, everything like that but uh for our herd and the way we manage our herd those respiratory ones work bradley said the magic word manage it's a management tool vaccination comes down to management absolutely and i i think you know my big thing is that uh as a veterinarian i'm biased a little bit right i love vaccines as well uh and everything that usually that a, a veterinarian's doing, uh, a lot of times it revolves around that vaccine protocol and prevention being better than treatment, all those things. Um, and, and Bradley talked about respiratory vaccines, which is, you know, a very, very, very big portion of what we do on both the dairy and the beef side. Uh, it, it's just a huge economic factor uh, for both the beef and the dairy industry when we're talking about respiratory disease. And and it's a huge reason that we vaccinate. Now, I, I kind risk of put mitigation, right? It kind of that's what it boils yeah. down to mitigating the risk. Yeah, vaccines are insurance. That's what they come down to. Mm -hmm. You know, um, every vaccine can be overwhelmed if your management is poor enough and they're exposed to enough disease, with, especially if they're stressed. That vaccine doesn't necessarily protect them in those kind of situations. It, it it might mitigate the clinical signs a little bit and 
and reduce the effect the disease has on the animal. Um, but every vaccine can be overwhelmed if you if you push that animal hard enough and and you expose them to enough of the pathogen or the disease. So we're not really trying to prevent the disease at all. What we're trying to do is mitigate the risk and make sure that we have insurance for when that disease does pop up, the clinical signs aren't as bad, our production losses aren't as bad, those kind of things. And I would say that I agree with that because, you know, we, the reason I started using respiratory vaccines and, and is before when I started out here, there weren't vaccinating calves or anything for, for those diseases. And we'd have pneumonias and, you know, you name it throughout the calf you know, that was one of the main reasons that calves died was from uh, respiratory problems. So we started vaccinating, uh, you know, at birth and we, we have a lot less problems. I shouldn't say that we don't have some calves that have some respiratory problems, but we don't have the full blown pneumonias, sick, really bad cough uh, type issues anymore. So I think the vaccine helps mitigate the, the, uh, the disease. So when we're talking about diseases, and we should probably start there, there, there's basically three categories in general, in my mind, okay, we've got respiratory diseases, reproductive diseases. Uh, and then from there, we get kind of a, a grab bag, but but in the core, we're talking about clostridial diseases. And then when we talk about dairy, we start to think about, okay, what are the, the mastitis diseases that we can we can vaccinate for? But for all cattle, I don't care if it's beef or dairy, there's a, a certain set of core vaccines for me. Uh, and the, the three categories that become core are respiratory, reproductive, and then clostridial. So when we're talking about respiratory, there's really four diseases that matter the most. We've got IBR, PI3, BRSV, and BVD. These are the vaccine. These are the diseases that we would vaccinate for with a standard five-way modified live vaccine. And I know I said there's four, but there's five in the vaccine because BVD has two types. Really quickly, Joe, mm -hmm. I want to cut in because you just said modified live vaccine. Really quick, there's two main types: modified live and killed. Give us the thirty-second explanation. Okay, 30-second explanation, going quick. Modified live vaccines are the virus or the bacteria has been changed so that it no longer causes disease, but it's still alive enough to replicate and, and move through the system as the, the disease normally would, just without causing the disease itself. Uh, so the big thing is that it replicates, and you actually do get a period where you're uh, viremic like or bacteremic where there is circulating virus or bacteria. Uh, killed vaccines are just how they sound. There is no actual live component. Uh, you're either using a dead bacteria or virus or a, a portion of those things to stimulate the immune system. And that becomes important when we're talking about how we treat these when it comes to boostering or revaccinating. Re and I think that's a term I see get interchanged a lot. And for me, they are different. Uh, Revaccinating and boostering are, are very different things. Boostering for me is something that is associated mostly with killed vaccines, where we're saying, okay, to get a learned memory response from our immune system, we need to get two doses in, uh, usually three to four weeks apart. 
And that allows us to build that memory in the immune system and gives us protection down the road. That's not necessarily needed with a modified live vaccine. So with modified live vaccines, if the animal responds and they're old enough, which is another piece of it, if they're old enough and the animal responds, they have immunity with one dose. Uh, the, the reason that we give it again, which would be a revaccination and not a booster, is that not every animal responds every time to the vaccine. Uh, and that's a, just, a, just a fact of biology. And we can change how, how much they respond or how, uh, how big that percentage of the animals are that do respond by, by reducing stress and making them as healthy as possible when we are giving that vaccine. So those are the big differences between the two. Uh, Revaccinating is giving it again to catch the ones that we didn't get the first time and didn't respond. Boostering is actually to build memory uh, in the immune system. That's the difference between modified live and killed. When we're talking- I think that was longer than 30 seconds. It it was way longer than 30 seconds, but I I wanted wanted to get into it. Uh, respiratory viruses. These things are big because they create issues for, for secondary infections for the most part. Uh, and, and the, these viruses are, are very easy to protect against with these vaccines. They, the vaccines do an excellent job, except for potentially, uh, bovine respiratory syncytial virus, BRSV is not covered very well by vaccines. We're not going to get into that today. Um, there is a lot of overlap between those viruses and the reproductive viruses. So IBR uh, and BVD especially are two that can also affect the reproductive system. BVD is one that I don't think gets enough attention. Uh, and it's, it's definitely out there. And it's one that keeps me up at night as a vet because I think it can absolutely ruin your system. It could put you out of business dairy or beef. Bradley, do you test for BVD at all? Uh, No, we don't. We don't. Um, We, yeah, how many tests do I want to do and collect all kinds of information? So it can be a good idea depending on, I think, well, if Emily would agree with me, we probably go back to management and how, you know, how would you need to do that to, to improve the management of your herd? All yeah. comes back to management. That's where it goes to. And uh, yeah, I mean, th- those two are the big things for me on the reproductive virus side, the IBR, the BVD. Uh, and again, those are in your standard five-way modified live vaccines uh, and that there are killed versions as well. That's something you need to discuss which one you're going to use uh, with your veterinarian because there are certain situations that one is better than the other, in my opinion. On the bacteria side, okay, so we're, we're much, this is a little different. Uh, bacteria, there's respiratory bacteria, and there are reproductive bacteria as well. And then clostridial organisms are bacteria as well. So on the respiratory side, uh, there's really three that we worry about that are the most important, Mannheimia hemolytica, Pastorella multacida, and Histophilus somni. And unfortunately, we don't have a great vaccine for Histophilus somni right now. So really, most of our efforts are focused on Mannheimia and Pastorella. If you're not familiar with those names, that's okay. They change them all the time. Uh, Manheim, it used to be a pastorella. 
so it, yeah, uh, those are usually in combination with our respiratory virus vaccines as well. So that's something where you can get those all at, at once if you, if you need to for your operation. And then on the reproductive bacteria side, we think about lepto. Um, lepto, I don't know if you've ever seen it before, Bradley. It's, it's not real fun to deal with. Um, I'm not necessarily convinced it's a huge deal for total confined dairies that never see pasture. It's much bigger deal for a situation like you see with animals on pasture, wildlife, all that other stuff. Yeah, I have not seen a lepto or anything. We sometimes think about lepto in our herd because our cows are outdoors, uh, you know, near deer running all over the place, uh, especially now. So we do think about lepto sometimes and we have those conversations with our veterinarian if we have a, an abortion or something like that, but we haven't, haven't found it, but we do vaccinate for it. Yeah, and 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 it, it can be a big deal. It's definitely something that causes uh, abortions, and and it can be it can be bad. Most of the time, we end up vaccinating for it anyway because it's our, it's already in some of our products that we give, and and there's no real reason not to uh, for for most cattle. In addition to that, we have uh, another bacteria, uh, Brucella abortus, which is brucellosis. That's the Bangs vaccine, RB fifty one, whatever you you usually call it. That one, I go back and forth on. Uh, I don't. Do you do it, Bradley? Uh, we stopped six months ago. Okay. And it, I shouldn't say it, it was in consultation with our veterinarian that that we stopped. You know, we used to do it, and you know, uh, lots of herds have done it and continue to do it. But you know, based on our situation, where we're not really shipping cattle across state lines and we're not selling them at, at sales and we have a closed herd. It's kind of like, well, is it worth the, you know, bangs vaccinating animals? So we've made the decision to probably stop for now. And uh, I guess, you know, I, it, the decision wasn't made lightly. I'll tell you that. Uh, absolutely. I, I go back and forth on it because I think that uh, true, truly closed herds are rare. Um, even if you, if you really do think you're a closed herd, but you have an animal that goes to a show, you're not a closed herd anymore. You know, like there, there's, yeah, go back and forth. And, and yes, I think we've done an amazing job of mostly eradicating brucellosis, but, uh, part of the reason we don't see it is because we vaccinate, right? I look at human, human cases right now with anti-vaxxers and you're saying, okay, uh, why are we seeing all these things that we never see it's because we stop vaccinating. So I get, I go back and forth. That's a decision you make with your veterinarian. Just like Bradley said, you got to talk to them to, to figure that one out. Okay. Let's get to clostridial, which are big. That's our black leg. Black leg uh, is the one that everyone probably knows the, the most. Every cow needs at least coverage for black leg. I, I, I can't stress that enough. It hits hard and fast and cattle die before you know what's going on. And it is a incredibly inexpensive vaccine. You just need to do it. That's all I really have to say about that. The cost benefit analysis pencils out on that one. I oh, think so black leg is devastating. So quickly you need to just yeah. do it. Um, the only question when it comes to that is, are you going to add coverage for red water and tetanus at the same time? 
So talk with your veterinarian, decide, you know, based on where you live and the exposure of your cattle to the potential of red water and tetanus, are you going to add those at the same time? Uh, and then you need to find a product and check the label to make sure what you want is in that product. Okay. Have we covered just about everything in a very, very brief, brief, brief episode? There's so much to talk about with vaccines. We can't get to it all. I'm going to run down what I think the core vaccines are real quick, one more time. And then you need to work with your veterinarian to figure out how you're going to administer those uh, timing and all that kind of stuff. And then maybe at a later date, Bradley and I will get back on and we'll argue about when you give vaccines and how many you give and all those kind of things and ages and stuff like that. And I will play referee. Exactly. Right. <laughs> we get five vaccines as a cat. Uh, what, what's the age on that, though? Like uh, what, for what time period? One to three days. That's okay. too many. That's too let's... many. Okay. Well, we won't get into it. Okay. Let's run down. Dr. The core. Joe, core vac vaccination. Let's go. Okay, core vaccinations. Uh, every every cow uh, should be covered for IBR, PI three, BRSV, BVD, lepto, and then blackleg. Okay, those are the every every animal. Beef, dairy doesn't matter. Those need to be covered, and then you decide if you need to add, uh, like I said, red water or tetanus, and, and that's it. You need to cover for those. Perfect. Yeah, sounds great. And then you've said this time and again, but I'll throw it in so they hear it from not a vet. For any vaccination program, protocol, et cetera, please work with your vet on that. Uh, they can help advise on what you really should be vaccinating for, what products to use, et cetera. Um, so, you know, that's that's why we have a vet talk about it, but also talk to your vet. Absolutely. Talk to your veterinarian. They will help you with timing, especially uh, and the products. There's so many out there. Uh, sometimes it can be a little confusing. Uh, so if you know what you need to cover for, your vet can help you uh, with timing and what products to use. If you want more information on this, we do have a, a article on our Extension website. Go to extension.umn.edu and then search for cattle vaccine. Uh, it'll pop up right away. You'll see that article and everything we talked about today will be in there, a little more detail. Uh, and we will be back to this topic. We can't avoid it. If you have comments, scathing rebuttals, questions, anything for us, please, please email us at themoosroom at umn.edu. Bradley, you want to give it a try? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. T-H-E-M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at umn.edu. And Perfect. just in case you missed that, that's T-H-E-M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at umn.edu. Perfect. Check us out on Facebook at UMN Beef and at UMN Dairy. We are on Twitter at UMN Moose Room and at UMN Farm Safety on Twitter. And then we have two YouTube channels. We have the University of Minnesota Extension Farm Safety and Health YouTube channel. And we have the University of Minnesota Beef and Dairy Team YouTube channel. Check those out. Find all the information you want. If you can't find it, email us. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bye. <laughs> goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. I said good day. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>